Hello and welcome to the Amped About Movies podcast. Today, for our second episode of Season 2, we'll be discussing the 2016 film La La Land. This movie was written and directed by Damien Chazelle and stars Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. For a quick plot synopsis, aspiring actress Mia serves lattes to movie stars in between auditions, while jazz musician Sebastian scrapes by playing cocktail party gigs in dingy bars. The two fall in love, inspired by their mutual passion for the art they care about. But as success mounts, they are faced with decisions that fray the fragile fabric of their love affair, and the dreams they worked so hard to maintain in each other threaten to rip them apart. Now before we get going, uh, Colin will not be joining us today, but when asked if he had anything to say about the movie, he noted that it is a, quote, timeless tale of two white people learning about jazz, end quote. So there you have it. (laughs) So that's Colin's thoughts on the movie. Um, what about you guys? What, let's start with, uh, let's start with Chad. Chad, what did you think? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Going from first to last from season one to season two. This is, or last to first going the other way. This is weird. Um, you know, I typically don't have a lot to say in this portion of the podcast, but, um, there are certain portions of this that I thought were just outstanding. I mean, the acting was awesome i mean the chemistry between you know ryan gosling and emma stone was just perfect i mean they absolutely Mm -hmm. crushed it throughout the entire film i mean it's really it's their story and the entire the the film only works if the two of them crush the entire movie and they really showed up and, and they made it work so i thought that was super well done super well casted super well acted um great great on screen chemistry between them and then normally i'm not a big like music in movie type person usually for me the 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 music kind of fades into the background you know it's only really on display if it's phenomenal if it stands out you know yeah um but the way that it works in this movie it is almost a character in and of itself and it Mm -hmm. stands out and on its own and i think that was so well done the way that it captures so much of the character's emotions, the way that it drives the story, the way that it's a central player in the actions that take place in the movie, um, I thought was really, really well done. And for me, that stands out because normally I don't see music as being such an important factor in these films. Um, but this one, I mean, they, they put it cent- center stage and it, it was super, super critical. And I, I thought it was really, really well done. And really fun to listen to and, and really well um, put in there. Um, yeah. And then I'll just some, some great camera work, some great shots, really, really beautiful, beautiful film. A lot of really cool, like camera work, set design, some really cool stuff done with like lights in the set designs um, that kind of stood out. So I thought that was really, really well done. Really fun. A lot of color, very vibrant, um, really fit with the whole artsy feel of the movie. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of stuff that I really liked. I, I'm, I'm really excited to, to get into it with you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Chad. Uh, Let's hear from Hunter. What did you think about the movie? I absolutely love this movie as well. Uh, Building off (laughs) of the chemistry part, uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are absolutely phenomenal together in any movie they're in. Crazy Stupid Love, Gangster Squad. I absolutely love both of them Mm -hmm. Uh, and just their chemistry. I think as a real life love story, man, I mean, those two are just phenomenal. Um, I know they aren't dating or anything, but man, that would be, I just think they work so well together that that Mm -hmm. is like a dream celebrity couple right there. But uh, talking about the movie, 
Uh, I absolutely, I thought both of them were incredibly talented. They both, uh, that was their real voices singing. They're both fantastic with dancing. Emma Stone doing tap dancing in heels was absolutely incredible. I was very impressed by that. And overall, I think not only was the movie just shot well, and the choreography was phenomenal, but I think the overall message of the movie was great. And there were a lot of symbols and motifs laid throughout the movie, such as the spotlight. And I know we'll go into this later, but um, the spotlight indicating certain people's perspectives and letting you see what they're seeing and the use of doorways and windows. And I thought that everything was nicely wrapped together to give us, to not give us, more, more to put us in the perspective of both of the main characters, Sebastian and Mia. And overall, I think the moral of the story in general is very relevant to especially us people in our in our 20s starting out our careers trying to figure out what we want to do in life i thought i felt that this movie was very relevant to us yeah that's a really good point definitely have to touch on that a little bit more um cool thanks what did what did you think beard yeah i absolutely love this movie um i saw it in theaters when it came out and i was obsessed with it <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, in fact, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit, you know, the Spotify rap came out this week. And in 2016, when this movie came out, there were definitely a couple of songs from the soundtrack that were in my, um, in my rap list. So yeah, I, it, it was incredible. Um, and, and about the music too, I, I thought you made a good point about saying how they kind of personify the music in this movie and they really make it a, a prominent part of the plot, which, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a musical, so you kind of expect that to some point, but it's, it's also kind of clever because um, since they took such a jazz angle and they made a point to say how jazz music is usually just background music, you know, it, it's kind of like that in movies too. Sometimes it's background music, but here it is really um, at the forefront. Uh, so that was good. And um, I also just like that it's, it's, it really feels like an old Hollywood movie um, because mm-hmm. In case you didn't know, I like old Hollywood movies. Oh, he does. Oh, he sure I does. I do. <laughs> um, but it, but it even steps up. Um, a, it steps above other old Hollywood musicals. Like I'm thinking, like Gene Kelly, um, kind of like Singing in the Rain, American Paris, kind of things. So you know, La La Land is like those movies in the fact that they focus a lot on theatrics and they have big. Um, musical and dance numbers and they have like all these like set designs that you know that the characters interact with while they're performing and so La La Land has that but it also has more poignancy that I think than um, some of those movies that were more just you know lighthearted musicals Um, and kind of like what Hunter said I think um, it it has a good message and um, it kind of makes you think and it has maybe broader themes Um, yeah so it's an incredible movie I agree I feel definitely. I I was going to say, I I, I agree. I felt that, especially with, I've seen a decent number of musicals. I won't say I've seen a ton, but out of any musical I've seen, I want to say that this one made me, I didn't cry, but it put me, it put me almost there. At the very end, I was very close. I was just like, man, I was, I was heartbroken. And it was just the emotional punch for this musical was more I felt than any other musical I've seen. You get very, very emotionally invested for sure. Yeah, I, I think you could flip a coin and you'd more than likely 
I, I'd still cry more times than the coin was. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I, I cry a lot at movies. <laughs> this movie definitely made me cry a lot. Um, and I'll just say that as someone who used to do theater in like high school and college uh, and still enjoys performing in any any sort of performance in general, the long shots in this movie just gave me chills every time when because when you film something it's it's a little different you can make edits you can cut things but when you do a long shot it's all just it's raw performance you can't make mistakes in the middle and then cut it out um and some of those dance sequences or or the opening shot where they're on the highway i'm pretty sure that's all shot in a single take um maybe not but it's definitely really close to a single take and it's amazing <laughs> um just to watch it in in the awe that I feel when I'm watching something that incredible um, with so much coordination. Um, I mean, I love a good like Marvel film with a whole lot of CGI and editing, but this is something completely different um, that, again, when it comes to the end, just really is very moving. Um, so I think we should start getting into the discussion of this movie. Uh, what do you guys think about this love story? I, it's going to sound weird at first, but, uh, you know, let me explain. I, I really like that they did not end up together at the end. Um, because, okay. first of all, it, you know, it's, it's like, it's really common that, you know, they just, they end up together at the end. And it's like, right. it's kind of what you expect, but it's also kind of the easy way out. But yeah. them not ending up together because they uh, pursued their passions and were able to be successful in, in their careers, um, I thought was really good. Um, but it wasn't like a bitter ending, you know, with the scene at the end, there's, you can tell that they have a moment. There's, um, there's a kind of a recognition that they, they did a lot for each other's and that they were better having dated, even though they didn't end up together. And I thought, um, I, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. I'm really glad you said that because that's kind of one of the biggest themes I took away from this movie. Just the idea of love versus passion. Um, and, and the fact that the different characters, they have their own passions that they're trying to achieve, but together they have their own special passion of love. And at the end of the movie, we kind of see that that brings them on to their own path when they follow their different passions. And there's also, I, I think it's really interesting that they kind of show at the end this fantasy of how they could have still ended up together and followed their passions. Um, so I definitely want to hear what you guys thought about that. I thought that that was interesting uh, because at the end you see that they would have still, in a sense, followed their passion. But Sebastian wouldn't have necessarily been where he was if he would have ended up with Mia. Because he's walking into what would have been his jazz bar, his jazz club. And it wasn't his. Somebody else was running it. Somebody else was up there playing the piano. And my thought was him sitting in that chair next to her is, is he fantasizing and think of thinking what would have happened if I wouldn't have gone to Paris with her? Because I was assuming that he went to Paris with her in that whole flat in the epilogue sequence. Mm -hmm. uh, what would have happened if I hadn't have gone to Paris and would I be on that stage running this club? And so I thought... I, I'm sorry, I, I actually lost my train of thought. I forgot what the question you asked. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like, would he have been happier being with her versus having his own club? You know, oh, no. 
No, I say no. I don't think so. You think I, that I, matters? Yeah, I, I, I got really into that because I was thinking about that this whole time. I was thinking of the whole thing of you, you meet someone, you have that connection and you click, but there's obviously compromise. There's, there's compromise in any relationship with pursuing what you want to do and dedicating your life for that. And the other side of spending time with this person that you really care about. We saw that earlier on when Sebastian went on tour and he was spending time away from Mia and he comes back and it's all this sacrifice and he says, well, I'm pursuing this. And then he says, well, I'm doing this for you. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And, and they get into this big fight. And if she was, if he was not in that relationship, his path would have been totally different. He wouldn't have necessarily worried about the decisions he was making. He would have thought for himself. And I know that's a little harsh to say, but in the end, everything kind of worked out because the relationship ended and he was able to think solely for himself and not have another consideration in the decision, in the decision making process. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with all of that. And I also think it's interesting when you're saying, you know, they ended up where they were because the relationship ended, but I think they also ended up where they were because the relationship happened. You can see that they're both pushing each other mm -hmm. to do things that they might not have necessarily done if they weren't with the other. So Sebastian might never have gone out and joined the jam jazz fusion band that helped him become popular, helped him get enough money to buy the club. And, mm -hmm. you know, me might never have gone to, uh, done the one woman show, gotten the offer, flown and, and done this movie that really launched her career. So I think it's really interesting to see that like they don't end up where they are if they never get together and they don't end up where they are if they ever stay together. It's almost like you have this brief moment where they need to overlap and, and enter each other's lives in order to get to this final step. And without that, it doesn't get there. But if it keeps going on, you know, Hunter, you get to that thing where it's like it's compromise versus sacrifice. You know, it's not going to be a compromise where both of them end up getting what they want. It's going to be someone has to sacrifice somewhere. Either they're both not going to get what they want. One of them's not going to be able to. It's going to yeah. be some sort of conflict. Oh, okay. Okay. So, Chad, you were saying earlier how the music is almost its own character in the film. And I would mm -hmm. go to take that one step further and saying that art in general is its own mm -hmm. character. Like, the music combined with movies and, and, and the whole visual arts uh, is its own character in that they're both courting art, like they're, while they're also courting each other. And in the end, they both choose the art over each other and their passion for their own respective art. Um, and this is shown in the beautiful sequence um, where Mia's kind of telling her story to the during that audition. That's like her blossoming into a beautiful artist. Whereas Sebastian, the whole entire movie, he's playing around with that one song. Uh, and it, it kind of morphs and it changes as it goes. But by the end, because, it, you know, one thing that really struck me this whole movie is he's playing this song, but it's not jazz. Like he's so obsessed with jazz, but that song isn't jazz. It's it's kind of more melancholy and moody and emotional. But then at the end, it he starts off with the moody version, but it transforms into the jazz that is in his heart, um, kind of showing that he is still in love with jazz um and it's allowed him to be successful could you argue and this is right off the cuff could you argue that in that end scene since he's in playing about what he's in love with and he's clearly channeling his love for mia that he still 
Well, yeah, I guess I, I'm sorry. I'm going to answer my own question a little bit. I'm guessing that the, I'm assuming that the answer is yes, because they already said earlier in the movie that they'll yeah, always, love- always love each other. Yeah, that part really broke my heart. Especially since I've seen this movie before and I knew how it ended. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that part is I mean, this movie has a lot of uh, ups and downs and emotional twists and turns, especially like when they skip five years later and you see that Mia is successful, then she comes home and you realize that she isn't with Sebastian anymore. Man, that part definitely made me kind of shocked first time. They I really saw hit it. you with the one two punch showing you that she's not with him. And then they're like, but this is what it could have been like if they were together. Yeah, so I know. And it's for you. Like, oh man, dude, it's funny. Cause at the same time, I mean, I'm sure she's happy with this guy. He's probably a great guy. We know nothing about him though. <laughs> so from the outside looking in, we, I kind of hate that guy. <laughs> Because I'm like, you're not Sebastian. They're supposed to be together. <laughs> um, do you guys like the ending of this movie? Yeah, I did like the movie. I mean, the ending. I, I, I think it was a good ending. Yeah, I, I like it too. I don't know. I think the thing that stands out for me about the ending is that typically in movies, you, you get to the ending and you, you have an ending. It's a solid ending. Things get wrapped up and you know it's done. They typically don't let you in on the, the hypotheticals. And that's something that, you know, as people in real life, you do constantly. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've thought about, like, what if I didn't did this different? Or what if I had done this different? Or what would my life look like if I had done made this decision instead of this decision? Yeah. And typically, I don't see a lot of film, or at least nothing that we've really delved into, where they give you that and they're like, hey, just so you know, if they had done this instead, this would have happened. And I think that's a really interesting approach to take to a movie where they give you that idea of like, most people think like, even if it's just like, man, that dude was like talking mad shit to me. I wish I had come up with this comeback in the moment. Like you replay these moments in your life over and over and over and think about what would have happened if I had done this. And I love that this ending like kind of gives you a little bit of that where it's like, everybody thinks about, what their life would have been like if a million different things had happened. So the way that the movie captures it is like, this is what the ending could have looked like if the decisions had been made different. And I think that's a really human thing to capture in a movie. And I think that'd be pretty difficult to capture, but I thought they did it in a really nice way. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I never even thought about that, but they did kind of like, they kind of like, um, like thought ahead of uh, of the viewer and they're like oh they're gonna think about this so like we're gonna give it to them before they even ask for it yeah, yeah. especially because it's so counterintuitive you always think like all the yeah. leads end up together and they're they're gonna have a happy happily ever after movie it's a musical and everything's good and like and then they're like no doesn't work out but this is what it could look like yeah you know it's kind of funny because it's kind of like that that uh quote that he says towards the middle of the movie where he's like that's LA. They worship everything and they value nothing. Uh, and it's kind of like, you know, we worship the love story, but we don't value it. Like we're going to throw it away and in exchange for something else that you you don't even realize yet, but it's actually better. Like you're going to be heartbroken that they didn't end up together, but you're going to really think about it more because if they had, it would just be another love movie. That was a good quote. I, I did like that. Yeah, apparently he came up with that. Gosling. Oh, it was like ad libbed. Well, it was said as a joke by his wife, and then he added it to the movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, according to IMDb, so you know, take that for what you will. I, I, think... I want. 
Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, build, Chad, building off of what you said about having this flashbacks, and as humans, we replay scenarios over and over in our head. I also think that as humans, when it comes to relationships, that we all, there are two things in this movie that I think that we all can relate to. Is one, having a relationship where you know it's not necessarily going to last forever, but you know it's not a bad relationship either. They had a very good relationship in the sense of, they obviously had tough times, but in the sense of both of them pushing each other and encouraging each other and forcing each other to be better and be better in their pursuits of what they dream of. And I think that in real life is there are relationships like that and people don't necessarily know what to do when faced with the factor of, oh, do I, I don't know if I want to spend the rest of this life with this person, but at the same time, that there's nothing holding us back. Like, like there's no downside that I look at and it says, oh, there's no big red flags or anything. And then there's the other side of the coin on top of that with what this movie talked about was, do I stay with this person and really build my life around them? Or even though it's so good right now and I love this person, do I just bet on myself and, and say, this was fantastic, this was amazing. We, I wouldn't be the same person I am without you but I also need to take that next step to become the person I'm truly, truly want to be and break off the relationship. And I, I really love that about this movie was what we alluded to earlier is that it's not the typical love story. I feel like it's very realistic in the way that this, this, this happens in real life. It's it, relationships aren't always lovey dovey and they don't always crash and burn to the end. It's possible to have a great relationship, see the person five years later and say that was fantastic. You're you're a great person, and I'm still happier with you're you're where you are now. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I I will say the characters in this film, at least the two main characters, are fantastic, um, well developed, and just honest and real. Like I love that he wants to name his club Chicken on a Stick. You know, <laughs> like that's just they don't even try to come up with something clever. It's just like Chicken on a Stick, man. This is going to be great. I mean, that's just something that any random person would say as a joke or or even if they're serious. Um, and it's not like some overwritten character arc. It's just like a random throwaway line. But it, it adds it adds to who that character is. And I really like the fact that you can't really tell. I wouldn't say you could tell who's the main character of this movie, you know? Like, it kind of leads you to believe it's Mia. But the story is just as much about Sebastian, you know? I mean, you could have two main characters, you know. All right, sure. All right, I'll just throw away whatever I was saying. All right, fine. <laughs> oh, sorry. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, um, so I think we've kind of touched on how passion is something that is uh, a lot more um, focused on these days kind of hunter you were bringing this up earlier about this movie has a special message for people that are our age in their 20s trying to figure out our lives yeah and i think i think we all i'm making this bold assumption now and i'm referring to we all us four on this podcast <laughs> assuming that we all deal with this in our lives either we've dealt with it now a little bit in the past but i know I know I've thought about this 100%. And as somebody that just graduated college, I've 
thought about it when it comes to getting into future relationships with my current relationships with just people that I have now is when I want to move forward because I know I know what I love in life and I really know what I want to do. So in pursuit of that, am I willing to make sacrifices with the relationships I have now in order to pursue it to end up on that other side to get to be Mia or Ryan Gosling or me or Sebastian, I should say, where I get to be on that stage or I get to have my poster on that wall and look back and say, you know what, I did sacrifice this, but I'm really happy where I'm at now. And I loved seeing this in the movie and it just made kind of reaffirmed my mindset and how I'm excited to go and pursue my passions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Re- real quick though. I wanted to, I wanted to mention this and I know and uh, we could build off this, but I wanted to drop this. Has anybody here seen the movie cocktail? I no. can't say I have. It's the best mm-hmm. worst movie of all time. And the scene, there is a huge tribute to that. At least I thought where it had, I'm, I don't want to spoil it now, but um, I will. Spoiler alert for Cocktail. Uh, there, Tom Cruise, I don't think we're going to watch it. So Tom Cruise wants to name his bar Cocktail and Dreams. And the end, the end scene has Cocktail and Dreams and Neon Lights, kind of like Seb's in Neon Lights. And it was a huge tribute to that. At least I thought it was. So Yeah. Kind of cool. Huh. Cool. I, I just looked it up. That is 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Dude, that is abysmal. <laughs> it's a hey, no no no, it's the it's the best worst movie of all time. I I stand by that. Dude, it, is, it just sounds like a bad movie. <laughs> it's an incredibly it's an incredible movie. It's also a terrible movie. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Wow. So that's definitely that's definitely a niche genre. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to make a movie in a 7% rated. rated. Yeah. Get that bad. <laughs> yeah, that is that that's interesting. <laughs> Um, speaking of cocktails, um, <laughs> segue into um, one of my favorite shots in the film, which was when um, they were trying to, Mia's friends were trying to get her to go to that party early on in the movie, mm-hmm. in her first scene. And then she goes, and, you know, she's having a great time, whatever. And they, like, they like pour champagne on, like, the, like, I don't know, pyramid of, of champagne glasses where they, like, overflow and cascade onto each other. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they, they filmed the rest of the shot with, like, this... Um, this kind of like golden um, aura around, which is like as if you're like looking in the champagne glass. I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I mean, and just in general, I thought there were a lot of shots that were, I guess, like um, visually pleasing. Um, and like, the, I thought the cinematography in that aspect was pretty good, especially the way they used colors. Um, I think somebody mentioned that earlier too. Like, um, I don't know. Did you guys have any like particularly favorite scenes or ways anything was shot? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I love the scene where they're doing the tap dancing um, with the Hollywood purple hazy sunset background, um, and it's just all one long shot uh, from the entire time they're they're talking to uh, the whole dance break, her putting on the shoes. And then finally going to her car, which is just right there. <laughs> I love that part. That was a good I love I love building on on the colors. I loved how Mia she was consistently I felt surrounded by neon lights, mm-hmm. and it showed that just the motif of her having a lot of personality, very vibrant, very joyous. Mm-hmm. And Sebastian, before she came into his life, 
uh, had a lot of dull colors around him. And then once Mia entered, his life brightened up. He had color and everything. And then when she leaves again, it's the same thing. He's in his house. It's all dull. He's he's wearing dull a dull outfit. And then at the end, I loved seeing how the jazz bar he opened, how that had life and light. And it was in its own way. And it showed that he kind of found that joy and has that now. Yeah. yeah. On top of the color, I thought one of the, the best shot scenes was at the observatory. Um, mm-hmm. That whole musical number, I mean, that was just spectacular. I thought the way that they captured kind of that, like, you know, pinnacle emotion of a relationship where it's like you literally feel like you're floating, like this person just like takes all the weight of the world off of you and you're like, just surrounded by like perfection. Like I, I thought the way that they, they shot that and the way that it looked and the emotions that it captured through, you know, the, the cameras telling that story with the mute. Oh, just great. Absolutely spectacular. Oh, and I loved, loved the shot where they're in the movie theater together and they, their hands just kind of like yes. come oh. together very slowly, very trepidation, full of trepidation. Oh, yeah. and, and they're just kind of like, feeling it out and then finally their hands clasp but it's all so slow and methodical and like even when their hands are touching they're still slow so slowly moving um i just think that's so so well portrayed so accurate to real life um and that the fact that that precedes the scene where they go to the observatory it's just all played out really well to kind of show the blossoming of this love story and I love in that scene too, when she arrives late and she's like in the dark theater and the movies are started like looking for him and she like stands in front of the camera and like the movies like projected on her, yeah. um, just like the lighting and everything and like the expression she makes, I thought it was like really well done. Yeah. Um, Jed, do you want to say something? Yeah. Andrew, I wanted to bring up, you mentioned at the very beginning how jazz is like a background music, you know, like you only typically think of jazz on like elevators waiting rooms like that's what jazz is but there's the scene where mia is at the restaurant on this date and she's clearly not having a good time and then like she has this realization where she hears the music and it's jazz playing in the background that like takes her out of the moment and she thinks like what am i doing here when i i could clearly be going on this date with this guy and like i think the way that they like captured that like cinematography was great but like I really think it also captures just how important music is in the movie and how critical like music as a character can be to the actions that drive the film. Um, and you mentioning, you know, her going to the movie theater and, and showing up late and all that, like jogged my memory on that. Oh, absolutely. And, and another scene just like that. Uh, first of all, I, I loved that scene. And then, great point. And another one just like it was when they were having dinner at like Seb's apartment, I think, and they um, like Seb had been on the road and they started having an argument. And as they're eating, they're listening to a jazz record and, and like their argument keeps building and building until it reaches an apex. Then like the record scratches and then like the record's over. And then like, you kind of like realize like, Oh wait, music stopped. Like you're kind of like, take a step back and realize, Oh man, like what, what, what are they arguing? Like what? Um, so yeah, they do that a lot in the movie, and it's so well done every time. They they do a lot of really good stuff with the camera and the music. One thing I really love is the fact that they do these kind of like, just sp- almost like the view shots, 
where it's just like all the camera is focused on is the speaker where the music is coming out of in the restaurant, you know, or all the camera is focused on is the sign saying Sebs, or all the camera is focused on is uh, like the lighthouse as they're all walking away. I just love the the fact that the camera directs your attention so clearly. It could have been like an over-the-shoulder shot of Mia looking over at the speaker as she notices or something like that, but it's like full-on, exactly this is what you're supposed to see, you know? It's kind of like, it kind of reminds me of a Tarantino whip shot uh, uh, camera movement. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. So um, I know Colin isn't here, but uh, for for his sake, I'll say... uh, Little connection to 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 the lighthouse, the, mm. the you know a little a little a little, a little theories here on, on how La La Land is connected to uh to the lighthouse. <laughs> you think he would like to like to have that connection there? Yeah, I think he would. Figured I'd just throw it in for him. I think <laughs> I, you might be right. You might be right about that. But yeah, talking about shots, I know I I, I know I mentioned it earlier, but I want to bring it back up is just the use of the spotlight and how everything else was blacked out to zone in on certain people's perspectives. I thought that that was so well done in making the viewer feel like Sebastian, we'll say, for example, was the only person in the room and isolating him and having us focus on him was absolutely great. And specifically, I think of that last scene when he goes to the piano and then the spotlight hits. Everything around him goes black. And I thought that that just made any number that they were in much more impactful and hit so much more because you're so focused on the character. And you're all, and that forces that connection so that whenever they jump into the musical number or they're talking or anything, you're that much more engaged. You're that much more invested in them. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah, I... I... I think I also really like the way that the film shows the dedication and effort required to break out into the music and acting scenes. Like Mia was there for six years before she finally got the role she was looking for. And that required her to step out of her comfort zone and to create something of her own before she was able to succeed. Meanwhile, I mean, Sebastian has a lot of raw talent and even he is you know, floundering in the scene because he's so idealistic. Um, so they both have to kind of make compromises on their lives. And Mia's so pushed to the brink that she is ready to give it all up. I don't know. I thought it was really cool that they kind of show that level of dedication and passion required to succeed. Because I feel like it's pretty authentic. I mean, from based on what I've heard, that you need a lot of effort to get into that scene. I agree. I definitely do. Talking about scenes, I'm curious. What's y'all's favorite musical number from the movie? Mm. Definitely the opening. The opening really sets the tone well. I loved how it's just it's none of the main characters until after the main uh, dance break is over. But it's just kind of showing that this movie is going to have a lot of practical effects, a lot of amazing choreography, a lot of energy. Um, and great music, and also a lot of vibrant colors. I really like the opening. One of you guys mentioned it already, but I liked the the scene 
um, after the party where they first talk and they're, um, you know, it's like sunset, purple sky. Um, that one was, I, I, it's just a fun song, but it's also like good banter and stuff. They, uh, you know, they're like exchanging jabs and uh, being like, oh yeah, like I would never want to enjoy an evening with you and like this kind of thing. Um, but also just a, a good song. And um, I think somebody pointed out like the tap dancing and stuff was really good too. So I like that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to. I wanted to try and highlight a different one because there are a ton of really good ones. But Andrew, I think that's got that's a standout of the whole movie. I mean, that's just so good. Like, if you're talking to like a pinnacle of the musical numbers, like, I mean, what more could you ask for out of that one? So, I'll take Andrew's answer. I mean, they, yeah, they, I mean, they used a, a shot from that as like the movie poster. It was like right. all and all the promotional material. Like it, that was that was the number. Um, yeah. I will say though, I love the lyrics of the song where where Mia's auditioning, like that that too. kind of call out. Here's to the ones who dream, uh, and here's to the mess we make. I think that's really, it's really a powerful statement, because um, you know there is a a lot of messes made throughout this film where they're all just trying to figure it out, create creating things and breaking things and breaking rules. Um, but they all have a dream, and that's that's the way that a life that life is for a lot of people, us included, in our dream of being the best movie podcast that ever was. You know it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. Maybe we'll get there someday. That's what it is. That's right. We got to get out of right. our six. We got a dream. <laughs> so I, I I definitely agree with both of you that one uh, another day in the sun. The opening still stuck in my head. The bump, 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 That is such an uppity beat song, and it's still running through my head. And what Andrew and Chad, what you guys mentioned about, I think the song is called "A Lovely Night." I'm ninety percent sure that that's the song. That that scene was awesome. I'll throw in there. I loved "Start a Fire," which is the one where. Sebastian was in the band with John Lennon, John Legend, and oh, yeah. on stage. Oh, I I know it wasn't that spectacular of a musical number, but I thought the song itself was just super super solid. I thought it was a it was a great song, and I also loved the solo that Sebastian had on the. It's it's not an actual an actual piano. It's a hybrid. It's like this touch keyboard where you can use vibrato, and I thought one the instrument was way too cool. And yeah, that is I a really cool instrument. Seeing him, I loved seeing the fusion of jazz with more of a modern take. And I yeah. thought that that was really great. And then I also loved Someone in the Crowd, which we, we talked a little bit about earlier, where that was, I want to say, the second musical number, where Mia comes back after the audition and her friends are trying to convince her to go out. I thought that that was a fantastic musical number. Dude, you know... Speaking of John Legend, he is a classically trained pianist, but he had to learn guitar for this role. And Ryan Gosling had to learn piano for this role. I just thought that was pretty funny. That's he, very... did. he did a good job, too. He learned it in like three months. Speaking of Ryan Gosling. Yeah. That's, that, yeah, that's super cool that he did that. Fun fact, I, I don't know this as a fact. I tried looking it up, but I'm 90% sure the guitar that John Legend uses in the scene in the big performance scene i'm pretty sure that that's a gibson es335 
and I say that, or a 345, I say that because, one, I'm a big fan of that guitar, but two, Marty McFly used the ES for the ES 345 in Back to the Future. Oh, dang. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those are fun facts. Those, for all yeah, of our guitar fans facts. out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, wish, I wish I could relate to that one a little bit more, but I, like, never picked up a guitar in my life. <laughs> I, uh, I just started playing, I want to say, about... I, I've owned a guitar for over, over four years now, and I've really focused hard for the past month and a half, almost two months now. And this, the, this movie gives me hope right here. Mm-hmm. I say I say that in a very <laughs> lighthearted way, knowing that the likelihood of me becoming a musician is is quite low. But uh, I just loved seeing these people, uh, just both of them pursuing their dream, and I just thought that was just fantastic. Yeah. So on that note, let's let's go into the scores. Um, Chad, what did you rate this movie? Yeah, I, I thought there were a couple areas where it stood out. Um... I, I hit it up for tens and and acting and soundtrack. I thought you know you really, as we've mentioned again and again, you could not ask for more from the leads. You could not ask for more from the soundtrack. I thought like if you're if you're gonna have a a standard for what you want to see out of performances and music, I mean this is a go to movie for it. Mm-hmm. Um, really solid elsewhere across the board. Um, ended up giving it an overall eighty seven. Mm. So that'll put it that'll put it up there. Like yeah. uh, that's up there for me. I think that might be a top twenty. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That is also what I rated it. Um, hey, know, you know, you guys have been harping on me for low scores, but this one I give an eighty-seven as well. Um, it just outstanding scores across the board. I also I, I gave two tens and a lot of nines. Um, outstanding movie. Yeah, uh, I will discuss my score in a moment, but before I do, I'll just say that I asked Colin for his rating, and he gave it. An eight. What he also said, lots of feels at the end, too. So, yeah, that's what that's what Colin rated the movie. Uh, so that's right in line. I, I gave it a ninety-two, which is actually my highest score yet. Um, and it, I, I noted that this movie makes me cry every time. Uh, I gave it nines and tens across the board. I think I gave it like a single eight because I just what, what would I what did I say an eight for? I said an eight for impact because I mean, I don't know, it wasn't more than an eight impactful. Oh, it's snub at the awards. That's true. It was a snub. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no ten there, and then I gave it a seven for profoundness because um, I thought you know this movie definitely has some thoughts on love and passion, um, but it's not like it's groundbreaking Inception over here. So. Um, yeah, but I gave it a 92 overall. What about you, Hunter? I gave this... I said that out of 10, I said that if this was on Spotify, which it is, this is easily in the Spotify wrapped any any year. Top Spotify wrapped deserves to be in the top five, I think, for both album, uh, for both artistry and singles. Uh, if this was on the Billboard Top 100, this is easily, I want to say, top top number one spot in the Billboard Top 100, highly recommend, should be on repeat on radio constantly. I gave this an 89, uh, just because I agree, it, it got nines and tens across the board, uh, mainly, it actually got, I take that back, it got a few eights, uh, but overall, I want to say that out of any movie that we watched so far, I enjoyed this one the most. Mm. I had the most fun 
watching this movie. I was ready to get up and dance. I was singing along. I was moving. This was just such a fun movie to watch. And combining how fun it was, the impact and the message, along with the emotion that you get, I think that this is just such a well-rounded experience, movie-going experience. And I wish, I so wish I could have seen this in theaters. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you will be able to someday, because I know that a lot of movie theaters are going into that whole new model where you rent out the theater for yourself. So who knows? Maybe that will be possible someday. (laughs) (laughs) Special special amped about movies, uh, movie get-together coming soon. Oh, yeah. A thousand, a thousand, it's not subscribers, what is it? Is it subscribers? Downloads? Listeners. Listeners. listeners yeah a thousand listeners uh special special mo- amped about movies podcast get together yeah we're really close to that we'll do a live socially distanced <laughs> review watching a movie at a movie theater hopefully by the time we I get to the- a thousand listeners we won't have to be socially distanced anymore <laughs> <laughs> you know i think our listeners will really be able to tell that we're in a different location than we are right now that's a great <laughs> point that's a great point <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they'll be able to tell from all the background noise. That's all. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all I had. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to say before we cut it for today? Just one thing. Um, so you guys might remember my girlfriend just uh, watched Fargo with us last week, and she gave it a pretty scathing review. Um, uh-huh. And she had another hot take this week, although oh. she didn't overall really like the movie. <laughs> um, okay. She said. <laughs> I don't think either of them are good singers. Wow. What? Which, like, granted, I, I, I just say, like, they're not, like, the like most outstanding singers ever. But, like, they were definitely, like, very good and good enough for the movie. Um, just, anyway. Well. I, Colin wasn't here for to give us hot takes. So, you know, I, I felt like we needed to, you know, get a, you know, get a contrary opinion in there. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, I, while I disagree with her, um, you bringing up just did remind me that Colin had said that his girlfriend Yeva wanted us to watch more movies with a strong female lead. And so that's what we have done this week. I mean, you can't deny that Emma Stone plays an amazing female in this movie who is very empowered and I don't know, able to pursue her dreams, her passions. And that I really do appreciate that from that perspective, they don't make the love story, the end all be all of this film. You know, they can show that, at the end of the day, two people can still have a great time um, being in a relationship, but also pursuing their dreams and have good outcomes in the end. Um, and, I mean, that doesn't stop Emma Stone from being a mom, or I guess Mia from being a mom. Uh, that doesn't stop her from being an amazing actress and dancer and just, I don't know, having great relationships with people and being a good person in general. I don't know. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I thought that they did a good job showing that in this film. I agree. Two weeks in a row, Frances McDormand and Emma Stone both crushing it. Yes. Leading, lead, leading woman in Hollywood. That's all. Awesome. Yeva would be proud. I'm sure I, she would tell us that <laughs> Colin was here. But <laughs> I, I want to know, did uh, Chad and David, did, did either of your girlfriends slash fiance watch, watch this movie with you? Yeah, we don't have girlfriends anymore. Uh, not us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the answer to that is no. Yeah, same here. 
I watched it alone. Yeah, we, yeah. Wait, what am I talking about? You guys don't have girlfriends. You guys both have fiance. <laughs> I wasn't. I, I wasn't sure. I forgot. It was so long ago. Wait, was that like, was. Yeah, I was like one. One. One of you. One of you guys proposed. You know, it's funny. I think. I think Colin missed season one, episode two as well. You know. Did he really? Yeah, he did. Well, now it's just gonna have to be a thing. So that means you're gonna have to miss the next episode because. You missed it. Oh, you're right. I did this one. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Chad, we're, if you can break the cycle next week, then. Uh, I then feel pretty good so far. You know, All right. Nothing's All right. standing we just in have the way. To make sure we don't schedule it during the Browns game. I think it's Monday night next week, too. So I think we should be good to go. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Be sure to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or email us at ampedaboutmovies at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to share any feedback with us about our about our podcast here. So we hope you enjoy, and we'll catch you next week. Next week, we'll be watching the 2014 film Whiplash, also directed by Damien Chazelle. So be sure to watch that in advance if you want to listen on time with us next week. Hope you have a great week. Peace.